Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. And before we start off the show, we got a shout out show sponsor, BioCult. Their boosted product is a multi-strain probiotic with four times the concentration of their original formula. That's why I like this one. It packs a good punch. All of their probiotic strains are backed by clinical research. It really makes a great everyday probiotic. I heard from a listener recently, this stuff has changed me, she said. So it's a great stuff and there's no need to refrigerate it. So really handy to have around and to travel with, which is always a good idea. If you're like me, your gut gets a little cranky when you travel, when you're off your normal routine. So taking a probiotic can help with that. It can also, those capsules can be pulled apart. So you can give it to your kiddos by sprinkling it into their yogurt or their um, oatmeal. I put it into a little shot glass with water and Hattie shoots it back. So if you want to check out that probiotic, head to their website using the link in our bio. Use code FUNK15 to save 15%. Hello, friends. Today we're going to be discussing the difference between functional medicine, functional nutrition, and the conventional allopathic approach. I addressed this very question on an Instagram live a couple of weeks ago, and I used a real world example. So I'm going to play that for you today. Just a heads up. We've still got stuff going on downstairs. <laughs> the reno project is, um, still going. So if you hear clangs and bangs, that's what it's all about. But the good news is that I am taking all that we learned throughout this process and I'm going to compile it into an episode for you. I've been getting tons of questions on Instagram about different, um, products we're using and why. So pretty much anything that we used, anything that we learned, I will put that into a show for you. So stay tuned. That's coming coming in hot. So back to functional medicine. The, the cost of functional medicine can be a real limiter for a lot of people. I fully acknowledge that. A lot of functional providers are cash pay only. They might not work with insurance. Functional lab testing isn't inexpensive at all. Um, so later in the episode, I want to make a case for starting with one thing. And if you feel like you cannot participate in the functional approach because you can't afford it, I really want you to listen to this. Uh, in fact, before someone even works with me one-on-one for lab testing for a deeper dive, this one thing is where I suggest people start. And I'm going to explain why and use real-world case examples of real world clients to prove my point. So stick around because I'm going to share some thoughts, both from a client and myself as it relates to all of this and as it relates to the cost of working with a functional provider. But first, I want you to hear my explanation of how I see it, the difference between a functional approach and a conventional approach. 
Hello, popping on live. Uh, I've been on sort of like a podcast tour lately, um, getting on to other people's podcasts, and it's been super fun. One of the questions that I get, I've been getting asked a lot is, what is functional medicine? What is functional nutrition? And how does it differ from a conventional medicine approach? So I'm gonna attempt to answer that question because I think it's a great question. I'm gonna attempt to answer it using a real world example from a client that I had today. So today was client day and I saw this situation. I'm like, this is such a good teaching point. So um, the way I want to preface this conversation by saying, I do not have anything against conventional medicine, the allopathic model or doctors. I think everybody has their place in healthcare where conventional allopathic medicine does really well is like acute trauma. Um, so I always joke, like if I cut my arm off, I'm not going to go to my naturopath. I'm going to go to, you know, to the ER, um, where conventional medicine kind of falls short is looking at things preventatively. It's really good at saying you have this. Once we get to the point of a diagnosable disease, it's not so great at saying, why do you have this or assessing the disease process as it's happening before it becomes a real problem. So um, my client today, one of her chief issues that she brought up was the fact that she has pain, uh, swelling in her hands and her feet, sometimes pain. And she brought it up with her primary care doc and was told, eh, it's probably not that big of a deal. It's nothing to really worry about. Um, here's a diuretic for when it happens. So for the swelling in her hands, she just, was given a diuretic. Uh, and that's kind of the thing with conventional medicine. It's it's called like a pill for every ill, right? That's what people say. But it's almost like a pill for every symptom. Oh, you have swelling in your hands? We'll take this diuretic, that'll make the swelling go away. Here's a pill to make the symptom go away rather than say, why is the symptom happening in the first place? What's going on? What is the body trying to communicate to you? what's happening underneath the hood. And uh, I saw some of her lab work, her, her blood chemistry, and her ferritin was very high. Her ferritin was over 400. Now ferritin is considered the storage form of iron. It's one of the ways that we, or the way that we store iron in the body. Uh, but it's also an acute phase reactant, which means that it's a marker that can be elevated during inflammation. So the fact that it was so high, it was above 400, um, told me that, hey, there's some big time inflammation going on in this body. We can see that marker elevated in things like autoimmune disease, like rheumatoid arthritis. So it certainly warrants more testing, it certainly warrants a deeper dive and a closer look at what might be going on. Where's this inflammatory process coming from and what else is at bay? In other words, a diuretic is not gonna make the problem go away. And that's really the difference between a conventional approach and a functional approach. Another way that I will talk about it is, uh, or a lot of people talk about it is, if you imagine that you're walking around and you step on a tack, so you have a tack in your heel, like, ouch, that hurts. 
And you could do a lot for the pain. You could take Tylenol, you could take some Advil, maybe like rub some essential oil on the heel and hope that the pain goes away. That might help the pain. But the problem is not actually gonna go away. It's not gonna be solved until you pull the freaking tack out of your heel, right? And so that's what the, a functional root cause approach is trying to do. It's trying to look for the tacks so we can remove the tacks to make the problem go away. When we're doing, this is another question that came up uh, with, my, with one of my clients today. When we're uh, looking at lab reference ranges, when we take a conventional approach, we're waiting for things to be out of range. So it's almost like healthy, 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 healthy disease, right? It's like all of a sudden you have a disease. All of a sudden you're out of the reference range. Without us like looking at the process that leads up to that, right? So uh, we have to think about more of an optimal range. What's an optimal range? when we're looking at lab work versus like, what is the, the diagnosed disease state? That's another thing that functional medicine aims to do is to address issues before they become problems. So if we wait, so if this woman waited and waited and waited and waited till her pain or her swelling in her hands and her pain became so extreme that she couldn't do anything else, then maybe she might get the attention of conventional medicine to say, hey, maybe we should do a deeper dive, right? And we should really be intervening before that. Um, this person also had high hemoglobin A1C, high fasting glucose, high fasting insulin. So she was in the pre-diabetic range of things. Pre-diabetic, there's no pre-anything. This is the time to intervene. Once somebody gets so deep into metabolic dysfunction and so deep into insulin resistance and um, even potentially diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, that is a really vicious cycle and vicious web of inflammation and, and uh, usually high cortisol production and it's just a really difficult thing to untangle. So we should be pretty aggressive with our um, intervention in that pre-stage, but we have to be screening for these things in order to do it. So I hope that kind of gets across the point, the difference in, in the, the, the difference in approaches. It is not one is bad and one is good. It's not to disparage anybody else doing different work. It's just to say we have different approaches and they can kind of all fit in here. So I hope that helps clear it up. Okay, so I know in that video, I did mention some real specific blood markers, and I wanna let you know that as a bonus in the carb compatibility project, you get an entire PDF guide that goes over specific lab markers to ask your doctor for. And even more than that, the, the, the tight, narrow, functional reference ranges that I'm looking for as it relates to blood sugar regulation. So keep that in mind. Um, Carb Compatibility Project. It's a four-week nutrition plan, and the cart will open Monday, December 27th, and the program will officially start Monday, January 10th. I always recommend that people sign up early. I leave registration open right till the very end because, you know, people are people. I'm a last minute Larry myself. But as soon as you sign up, as soon as you sign up, you get access to all the bonus material, which includes a prep week. So even before the program begins, if you want to kind of ease your way in, there's an entire prep week designed for you. You get access to that. You get access to gut workshops. Yes, workshops, plural. There's multiple workshops that I've taught in the past that 
I've charged for that you get for free. There's also bonus workouts from Blaze Yoga and Pilates and Steamhouse Yoga and Pilates. So there's some yoga, there's some interval um, high intensity interval training classes. There's some weightlifting, there's some Pilates, and there's just lots of goodies in there for you. So as soon as you sign up, you get access to all of those. So I like people to sign up early so they have more time to tuck into all that good stuff. So since we're talking about the carb compatibility project, which is a nutrition program, I want to talk about the power of food. And what I will say to you is that the functional approach should always start with food. It is foundational. It is fundamental. It is do not pass go. It is do not collect $200. It starts here. And that's why I always recommend before somebody starts to work with me one-on-one, before we start to get into the high level stuff, before we start to spend the money on the lab testing and the deep dives, are you eating well? Are you eating in a way that stabilizes your blood sugar? Are you eating in a way that supports gut health? Are you eating in a way that supports your liver function? Are you eating in a way that gives you the nutrients that your body needs to thrive? Are you eating in a way that supports ATP? Yes, energy synthesis. If not, you got to start there. This is literally why I created the Carb Compatibility Project, the CCP, because I kept seeing very similar patterns in my one-on-one clients. And they pretty much all had symptoms of dysregulated blood sugar. I was just working on this. We would spend a month before we tucked into anything else, just working on stabilizing blood sugar. And, you know, that really tracks with a lot of the stats that I've been sharing with you over the past few months in regards to metabolic health. Most of us here have dysregulated blood sugar, have dysregulated insulin signaling, have some type of metabolic dysfunction. The majority of Americans do. So yikes, that's not good. So if you're sitting here being like, yeah, but how do I know without lab testing? I'm going to read through, this is straight from my intake form that I have when I'm working with clients. I'm going to read through the list of things that I'm looking for and screening for. And so I always have people take these two lists and they either check off never, like this never happens, sometimes, this sometimes happens, or often. So I'm going to read through the list and I want you to notice how many times you're checking off often. Sometimes it's like once in a blue moon. Often is like more often than not. So like, you know, the majority of the days in the week. So let's start picking through it so you have a clear understanding of like, is this something that I should be thinking about for myself? One, irritable if meals are missed. You miss a meal and you feel like a crabby patty. Angry or irritable when I'm hungry. This is also known as hanger. Do you get hangry? Do you feel like you're going to snap at people if you're not eating? Um, Increased energy after meals. That is a big one. I, I know I've said this a bunch on the show, but maybe you're new here. And the the way that we have to think about it is when we eat, there really is should be one outcome when it comes to our our energy. And that is our energy doesn't change. We just feel less hungry. So if you feel fatigued before you eat, and then you have an energy boost after you eat a meal, that's a good indication that you are dealing with low blood sugar. Now, the flip side of that coin, if you eat and you feel fatigued, if you eat and you feel tired, that can be an indication that you're dealing with some high blood sugar issues. Um, Eating relieves fatigue. 
kind of fits what I was just talking about. Cravings for sweets in between meals. Uh, a dependency on coffee to keep going or to get started in the morning. You get lightheaded if meals are missed. You get headaches if you forget to eat. You feel shaky, jittery. You can even have tremors. You get agitated, easily upset, or nervous. You might feel forgetful between meals, just like the cognitive cognitive function is like not on point. Sometimes if it gets bad, you might get blurred vision. You feel like you're skipping meals just because you're too busy, right? So that's not really a symptom of low blood sugar, but that can definitely tell me that yikes, somebody's more likely to have low sugar issues. If they're running around, there's usually some adrenal issues there too, where you're like just cruising on fumes. Um, Feeling weak, dizzy, or shaky if you haven't eaten a while, needing sugar or carbs fast, like all of a sudden you're hungry and you're like, no, like I need food now. Like immediately give me a candy bar. I don't care. Give me something that's not nailed down because I'm so hungry. I can't function. Um, Waking up hungry in the middle of the night is a big one. Skipping breakfast more than one day a week and um, having hypoglycemia, like if you have diagnosed hypoglycemia. So obviously, or I shouldn't say obviously, but those are all signs that tell me somebody might be dealing with low blood sugar. Now for high blood sugar, some different signs. So you might get fatigued after eating meals. You might crave sweets during the day. You um, eat sweets, but it doesn't relieve the cravings for sugar. So you're just like, I want more, I want more, I need sugar. Um, Feeling like you get tired right after you eat something with carbs needing sweets or coffee after meals or like even I just like need something sweet or I need a coffee or I need to take a nap, something like that after meals. Um, If you tend to gain weight around the midsection, that could be an indication. Difficulty losing weight, frequent urination, increased thirst and appetite, generalized fatigue, constant hunger. Those can all be signs that you're dealing with some high blood sugar. So if you see yourself in any of those or in both, because hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia oftentimes uh, go hand in hand. So it's not just like a one or the other, it's often both. If, If any of that sounds like you, then pay attention because this is something that you have to work on. You have to start here because blood sugar dysregulation puts the brakes on all your other health goals. So hormone imbalance, gotta balance your blood sugar first energy deficit. If you have issues with your energy, you have to balance your blood sugar, right? That's how we get energy. Um, This goes for headaches too. When I think about headaches or low energy or anxiety, I'm also, I'm I'm oftentimes thinking about blood sugar. Uh, Inflammation. So in that um, that recording that I played for you, uh, that person was dealing with a lot of inflammation and um, having high blood sugar can feed into that picture for sure. Thyroid, adrenals, blood sugar, blood sugar, weight loss, brain health and cognition, immune function, autoimmunity. You get the picture. Basically, I'm just giving you a laundry list of anything that could go wrong in your body. And it's very hard to regain balance in any of those areas if you don't have good control of your blood sugar. Hey, let's take a quick break so we can talk about low sugar nutrition. I'm always looking for kind of quick and dirty ways to pack in extra nutrition, polyphenols, antioxidants, fibers for my gut, and even herbs for my stress response, like the more adaptogens, the better, which is why I use Organifi powders 
every day, several times a day. I love to put them into my water. This is great if you're one of those people that struggles to just get enough hydration, get enough water. And if you feel like water's really boring, these powders can zhuzh it up for you. My kiddo loves them. She feels like she's drinking juice. I also throw them into my smoothies just as a way to get some extra nutrition. My personal favorite is the red juice. So it has lots of different red powders, things like acai, cranberry, pomegranate, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, all of those polyphenol-rich red and blue powders. And if you've listened to the show or you've seen me on Instagram, you've heard me talk about the benefits of these powders. They feed a very unique and particular type of bacteria in your gut called Ackermansia. Ackermansia is a keystone player. It's wicked important for keeping your gut healthy and strong. It prevents leaky gut. It also is very important for metabolic health and insulin signaling and controlling blood sugar. Now, unfortunately, I do a lot of stool tests on people and see that acromancia is low, sometimes even below detectable limits. That's a real bummer. Some of the bacteria in our guts are little piggies. They'll eat anything. And then some bacteria are more like snobby foodies that will only eat specific things. This acromancia bacteria loves to eat red polyphenols. So the more red foods you can eat, the better. And getting red powders is super important as well. So the red juice is something that you can grab super easy and it's low sugar. All of Organifi's powders are under three grams of sugar per serving. And most of them offer up fiber as well to counteract any spike in blood sugar. So highly recommend, I throw them in my smoothie so I can pack in a bunch of veggies without adding a ton of fruit that might spike my blood sugar. And I can still make them sweet and palatable. Go to Organifi's website, Organifi.com. You can click the link in the show notes. Be sure to use the code FUNK. It will save you 20% off of every single order you ever place. You get a good deal and you get to support all the good things in your body too. I want to read this uh, to you from a previous participant. She said, I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for this program. I felt like absolute garbage for a really long time. And I also found out I have an autoimmune disease just as this project was starting, and I'm finally starting to feel better. My inflammation is down. My digestion issues are improving. My energy levels are creeping back up. I've lost some of the stubborn weight I had gained. And for the first time in my whole life, I am even having hunger cues. I feel less trapped in the way I have viewed food and now see it more as fuel and that I have choices and the less that I have to restrict or steer clear of things because diet culture tells me to. This project opened up my relationship to food to a place I have not been in before and I now feel like I can make choices because how it makes me feel in my body, my mind, and my emotions. You are such a gift, Erin, and so is this group. I have loved being on this journey with many others. So she had a lot going on and by working on a dietary strategy that that really focused on blood sugar regulation but a lot a lot of other things as well she was able to feel better for the first time in a long time. So I kind of say it doesn't matter what your bag is if it's thyroid dysfunction if it's adrenals if it's hormones if it's autoimmunity blood sugar really really matters. So now I'm going to share with you three 
current clients that I have that I'm working with, one-on-one clients. And I want to paint, I'm sharing this because I want to paint the picture of number one, the difference between the conventional and functional approach, but more more specifically how food can move the needle. So my first client came to me for digestive issues. She was in extreme digestive distress um, to the point where had she would have to go on liquid diets for weeks at a time when her symptoms would flare up. She was eating baby food. Um, she had such significant explosive diarrhea that would have to wear diapers sometimes. And um, I have seen this before. Uh, so, so a lot of people out there are really, really struggling and not having any answers. So she was going to conventional doctors and specialists and they would kind of just say, well, this is just normal for you. This is your life. This is, this is just how it's going to be. They netted out. They had no other options for her. Um, and she kept asking about food, like I'm eating baby food. Is this okay? And they kept telling her well, that because her weight was stable, she was fine. She was fine because her weight was stable. She was pooping her pants and had to eat baby food and had to go on liquid fast for weeks at a time. But because her weight was stable, she was told she was fine. Do you understand? Like, am I painting a picture of the conventional approach of like, we've netted out with our options for you. So we're just going to tell you that your experience is just what you have to deal with now because we're done. We've exhausted all options on our end. So you just have to live with this experience. It, it infuriates me. It, I'm like hot to the touch right now. It infuriates me that, that people are being told that pooping your pants is normal just because we've exhausted all of our options. And, and you know, you guys know how I feel about using weight as a health benchmark when, you know, like we can't just look at weight. It's one factor in a sea of many. But if somebody came to me and they're like, I have to wear a diaper, but my weight's stable. I'm going to do some more digging. I'm going to use my functional tools to say, hmm, well, this doesn't sound right. Let's tuck in. Let's dive in. Let's do some GI testing. Let's run a stool test or a SIBO breath test or whatever, whatever feels appropriate. So when she went to her doctor for more testing, again, the doctor said, well, have you lost any weight? No. Well, have you felt any different than you felt two years ago? She said, no. She's like, well, then odds are the th- that things haven't changed, so why bother testing? Why bother testing? This woman has been in pain and discomfort for six to seven years, and her doctors refused to run any follow-up testing. So this is... This is the conventional approach as I see it, because this was my lived experience, and it's also the lived experience of many of my clients. And... So what we started her, um, what she started with, she she kind of took her, you know, her health into her own hands and started going on an elimination diet, one that was very similar to Eat to Achieve, which is a program of mine. When she started working with me, she got free access to Eat to Achieve, so she started doing that. And she said, it's really working. She said, it's the best I've felt in years. I have not been able to tolerate salads for almost 
seven years and now I can eat the stuff I was told I couldn't eat. They had put her on a low FODMAP diet and they put her on a low residue diet, two very um, restrictive diets on top of one another. So she really wasn't able to eat a ton of food. And since starting the, this elimination diet, she's only had diarrhea twice. So of course, we're going to do some follow-up testing to get to the bottom of what is going on. But I just want to underscore how powerful dietary change is. And unfortunately, we're just not hearing this all the time in the conventional approach. Um, I I know a lot of folks with autoimmunity, even autoimmunity of the the GI tract, like IBD, are told that food won't make an impact. And that's such horseshit. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just horseshit. Food, of course, it can make an impact. Of course it can. So the carb compatibility project, if you're looking for, if you're looking for help here, the CCP is definitely something to consider because I developed it with gut health in mind, with digestion in mind. And it supports gut health because it pulls out the biggest trigger foods, but it also simultaneously feeds the bacteria in the gut microbiome and gives them the things that they actually need. Um, So you're not just like pulling food out without replacing it with a lot of good things that your body needs. So it doesn't set you up. Sometimes these these elimination diets or these uh, therapeutic diets short term can be helpful, but long term they create downstream effects. And and so the CCP is created in 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 that that it, it so it won't do that. You also get access to my free digestive guide, so you can kind of troubleshoot some digestive issues. My next client came to me with um, a lot of different things going on, um, but really want to focus on the hormone piece. We're, we're currently running Your Hormone Revival. Oh, by the way, the next time we'll run Your Hormone Revival is like late. We'll we'll um, start to announce it late. February, early March. I've gotten a lot of outreach about that. So I just want you to mark your calendars for early spring. And where we run a lot uh, different labs in this program, and we're just seeing so much dysregulated blood sugar. We're seeing high hemoglobin A1C or high fasting insulin levels. And um, we have to start there. We have to start there with hormones. So this particular client came to me with a lot of anxiety, with fatigue, body aches, acne, migraines, and pretty significant digestive issues. She was experiencing a lot of stomach pain when she ate. Now, before we even ordered any labs, before I even got any data from lab testing, we started to implement blood sugar strategies. When I hear anxiety, when I hear headaches, when I hear migraines, when I hear fatigue, I'm always like, ooh, how's the blood sugar going? And based on that intake form, she had checked off a lot of those. So she started changing her diet, small tweaks, really small tweaks that made huge impact. She lost 13 pounds in a month. By the next time I talked to her, she told me she was feeling really good. Her appetite had normalized. She was going through like phases of restricting and then binging. Um, Food, she said, was even tasting better. And before things were so painful, she didn't want to eat. And we had just by, you know, changing diet, we, um, she had really improved a lot of that. So we looked at her hormones through a Dutch testing when they came in and we saw a few pretty significant things, unfavorable estrogen clearance. We saw high metabolized cortisol. We saw high androgens. We saw a five alpha preference, which really explains a lot of the acne she was experiencing, her facial hair. She had body hair. She had some scalp hair loss. Um, She also had low glutathione and high oxidative stress. So all of that, there were some real significant findings on that, that hormone lab. 
But what I have to tell you is that blood sugar and insulin signaling is going to be paramount here. There, there's nothing we can do for hormones without first addressing this. And I just, this, this can't be overlooked. It's really basic, but that doesn't mean that it should be overlooked. Um, so when somebody says to me, I got to balance my hormones, I'm like, you got to balance your blood sugar first. <laughs> then we'll, then we'll start tucking into hormone stuff. Um, so the, the carb compatibility, the, the CCP I designed specifically to regulate blood sugar, but I also designed it as a way to support liver and detoxification, which is also very important from a hormonal perspective when we're talking about unfavorable estrogen clearance and um, phase one, phase two detoxification. Both of those happen at the level of the liver. So I really love to hit the liver with lots of antioxidants and cruciferous veggies. And so the meal plans designed in the CCP reflect all of this. So I certainly put a, a lot of thought into the food plan. And then the, the final client that I'll tell you about, she came to me with significant chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, pain. And this is no... Um, this is no joke. This is not something that's like very simple when it comes to these chronic conditions. I will admit that. But when we ran labs on her, we found high fasting, uh, high fasting glucose, high fasting insulin, and high hemoglobin A1C. And none of that had ever been discussed with her before. So she had, you know, several decades, a couple decades worth of all of these chronic health challenges, and nobody had sat down with her and spoken to her about food's impact on metabolic health and uh, blood sugar. And so I immediately started her on the CCP because I'm like, this is like, you know, the the do not pass go plan. And within a couple of days, she had already noticed an improvement in being able to stay full and having some energy improvement. And so I, I just... You know, I, I just really use these examples because yes, these are clients who are working with me one on one. So they get my individualized attention. They get specific appoint or direct appointments with me. They get the lab testing. But the point here is to emphasize that where did we start with all three of them? We started with food. So if you've been interested in functional medicine or you've been listening to the podcast and you're like, geez, I would really love to take that approach. I've been dealing with some ongoing health challenges and I, I just feel like I'm coming up short with the conventional approach, but the cost of working one-on-one with a functional provider is a limited a limiter for you. I suggest that you don't let that stop you from getting started. Do a program like the Carb Compatibility Project. I mean, do any program that that aligns with you, that feels good for you. I just happen to have the CCP. I've developed it for this reason. So of course, I'm going to talk about that. Um, and I've de- designed it in a way that you get a lot of different resources, loads of my resources, but it's also affordable. It's an affordable way to get direct as- access to me to ask questions, make sure you're on the right path. Um, you do have that ability to, to ask me cues and get my A's directly. So keep that in mind. We're going to start that January 11th. Is that what I said? January 10th, January 11th. It's a Monday. Uh, but I will open up registration a couple of weeks in advance. And then finally, I want to share this last little tidbit. This came from a client last week, and I, I thought it was important to, to share here because her experience is quite similar to mine. And she said, this is in regards to working with me one-on-one. Overall, I'm handling things with more ease. Even though I'm under more stress, I can tolerate 
more before my brain would get really overwhelmed. This whole process has been enhancing my life. And no, it's not cheap, but the money is coming back to me because I'm performing better at work to the point where I've been able to invest in property. She's buying a house right now. And she said, this is expanding my whole life. I've been living in a fog, but I'm hopeful for the future. It's full of possibilities. And it was like, I don't know, it was one of those things that I just, I just felt so happy for her. I felt so proud of her. And I just felt so like, I know exactly how she feels because this was, this was my experience too. Um, I had to throw down a lot of time and effort and coin into my health. I had to prioritize myself. I had to prioritize my health. I had to prioritize my well-being. I had to do this um, in order to expand my life because my when I was sick, my life was very small. And I, I, I think I had normalized a lot of it um, because it was just my lived experience, but it was it was small. And I can't tell you how incredible it feels to feel good, to feel healthy, to have energy, to be able to do the things that I want to do. I can promise you that I would not be living this life if I had not taken the time and yeah, unfortunately the money to get my my health back on track. Um, so if you're in a position of really wanting to get started, I will say it is quite amazing what investing in your health can do and how it can benefit every aspect of your life. So whether that's you're thinking about working one-on-one with my clinic or you want to sign up for the CCP, I would just say really, especially with the holidays approaching, really think about where you're investing so much of yourself, your energy, your money, your time. Where are you investing yourself? And is that taking you closer or further away from where you want to be? And if you don't like the answer to that question, how can you change that? If you need to change that, how can you attempt to change that in the new year? So I will leave you with that and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.